I have a confession to make. Uh, typically, uh, on Saturday nights, I turn into the preaching pumpkin. And uh, basically, I shut down as a husband, as a father, as uh, everything else I might otherwise be, and uh, obsess about my sermon for the next uh, hour or two or more. And usually what I'm doing is I am cutting everything during the week that I learned that I feel like spiritually helpful I put into the sermon, and then I start cutting and cutting and cutting. So I cut about four pages last night, and this morning I woke up and I said, I want to cut some more. And so uh, if that ever happens, usually by 8 o'clock, what it is is what it is. But... Uh, I I cut about two and a half pages in the middle of the worship service because it just wasn't satisfied. So uh, we'll see how this ends up together. Um, that being said, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word uh, not only uh, speaks into our ears, but through our hearts, even into our souls, it brings us face to face with you. Lord, we do ask, along with the prophet uh, Samuel, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Teach us to pray, we ask, along with your disciples. Lord, we ask that uh, Christ would be lifted up in our hearing, in order that he might draw all peoples to himself. We ask this in his name. Amen. And we are continuing to look at the Lord's Prayer. We started last, um, last week, and uh, his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Uh, and prayer is a rather misunderstood uh, practice uh, in our society, even in the church. In our society, many think of prayer as a last resort Hail Mary when one's health or the health of a loved one is uh, suffering. Uh, we, live, we live our lives day by day according to our own wills, our own desires, and we'll, when ill health or when an unexpected accident befalls us, we go to the doctor, we go to the hospital, but if the doctors are not able to help and our, our health continues going downward, then that's when we throw the Hail Mary, uh, so to speak. Uh, this definition of prayer suggests that prayer is a miracle cure-all when every other option has been exhausted. Well, this is not, of course, the biblical definition of prayer. If that definition were the biblical definition of prayer, then I'd wonder just how effective my prayers really, really are. Uh, we all know of loved ones who have made unexpectedly quick recoveries that exceeded the doctor's expectations. And we give praise to God. We're continuing to give praise to God um, for Susan Francensini, uh, 
recovering from a major stroke as quickly as she is, is um, uh, we, we, we thank God for that. But I can only name in my ministry one cut and dried example where God has answered my prayers for healing by suspending natural order and reversing what the doctors knew to be true. And uh, basically, in a way of... I cannot explain any other way than miraculous. Um, One time in over 20 years of ministry, well, you know, like I said... Uh, I would then wonder if that were the definition of prayer, throwing the Hail Mary, um, then I would wonder how, how effective my prayers really, really are. Well, in my previous church, there was a man, he was legally blind, he had no family except his church family, and he, um, he, he developed cancer in his mouth. Uh, And the doctor had examined him, had x-rayed him, had biopsied the tumor. Yes, it it was cancer. So I took him to the surgery center for the operation. And, of course, I wanted to pray with him. And he said, I don't want you to pray for my healing. Rather, I want you to pray that I would be content if the doctor tells me after the surgery that uh, the cancer has spread too far, and that I'm going to die. And that might sound like a strange request. If you knew him, uh, you wouldn't be surprised. Uh, it was... Uh, um, he, he had lived a, a difficult life before he had become a Christian. Uh, so I told him, Oh, come on, I can pray for your healing, Right? And I will also honor your request to pray for your contentment if uh, the doctor indeed says that you have cancer and that you are going to die. So I prayed for him, uh, walked him into uh, the waiting room uh, for the surgery. He had the surgery. The doctor cut open his jaw, is looking at the x-ray, dug all around in his jaw, really cut him up pretty good. Ended up sewing him back up um, com- and was completely mystified. The cancer was, was gone. The doctor could not find it. And I firmly believe that God answered my prayer in a truly miraculous fashion that day. Now, if you are looking to me to be the Tom Brady of Hail Mary prayers, uh, God rarely answers my prayers in such an indisputably inexplicable manner. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, We should pray for the sick. God hears and answers prayers, but He rarely chooses to answer in a way that everyone could truly and only describe as miraculous. Uh, And within that definition of what it means, you know, Um, suspending the natural order, rolling back, um, and everything like that. This morning, we're going to take a second look at the Lord's Prayer in Luke 11, 1 through 4. Frankly, I cut so much out of this this sermon, I think we might take a third look at it um, in a couple of weeks. 
Last week we acknowledged how difficult it is to pray. You know it. I freely confess it in my own life. Prayer is exhausting. Uh, It's easy to go through the motions and mouth words without really praying from the heart. Or as one of the Puritans said, God hears no more than the heart prays, and if the heart be dumb, God will certainly be deaf. So, um, we, we saw last week how our Lord Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer as a model or a basic outline to help us learn how to pray. And if you were not here last week, uh, we also explained why Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer differs from the version that we quoted or prayed earlier in the service uh, from Matthew's Gospel, but uh, time will not allow me to go into that again right now. Actually, since I've cut two and a half pages, maybe we could, but (laughs) I'm going to stay on track. Uh, We did not look at the specific request in the Lord's Prayer last week. I do hope to get to that in uh, the next sermon. Uh, but And as we do so, as we look at the specific request, uh, I think we'll begin to see a definition for how God instructs us to pray. In short, I believe that the Lord's Prayer is intended to teach us to live a God-centered life rather than having a prayer life that that um, exists only as the Hail Marys once our life gets out of our own control or once uh, our difficulty or our pain gets beyond our ability to, to bear. Uh, so the first word of the Lord's Prayer is the word Father. So Jesus said in verse 2, When you pray... Say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. I just want to take a moment to focus on that word Father. For those of us who walk with God uh, and have been walking with God as, as Christians for, for a, uh, a long period of time, it's very easy to take it for granted that God is our Father. But in Jesus' day, this was revolutionary. The Jewish people during Jesus' day mostly approached God from a distant point of view. He was the God or the father of the nation of Israel. Uh, But few people uh, sought him in a deeply personal and, and intimate way. In the Lord's Prayer, however, Jesus taught his disciples that God was their father. And uh, we have the Greek translation of what Jesus literally said. But literally, uh, when he taught his disciples, he was teaching them in Aramaic. And the word he used was Ava, Father, um, in Aramaic, Ava. And it's most, most closely translated, Dear Daddy, Um or dearest father. It was an, an endearing, deeply personal way of, dress, of addressing God. 
So we read in Galatians 4, verse 6, where Paul says, Because you are sons, God has, spent, has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Ava, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. In Romans 8, Paul says essentially the same thing. You know, even today, after 2,000 years after Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer to address God as Father in this deeply personal way, even today many have a vague, only a vague theological idea of God as basically and only the creator of all humanity, but do not know Him in this deeply personal way. But as Christians, we have been taught that we can crawl up into our Father's lap. And that when we do so, we have His full attention when we seek Him. Whether we are happy or whether we are sad, whether we're in good health or in poor health, whether we have been faithfully seeking Him or even when we have been rebelliously running away from Him. Jesus is teaching us here in the Lord's Prayer that we can approach God as our Father and that we can trust Him to hear us and care for us. And this is huge for how we pray. You know, I have a pretty even temperament. You know, I'm not real gregarious when I'm happy. I rarely shed a tear when I'm sad to my wife's great consternation. She would love to see me cry from time to time. I think in uh, the end of Rudy, when they carried him off the field, I shed a tear. And uh, that was a high point in our marriage. (laughs) And so um, I seldom blow my top when I'm angry. But one thing about me you may not know is I can grow inwardly. I can become discouraged with myself. Um, I can get discouraged about my walk with God. I can, I can get discouraged about my prayer life. Something that I read from Charles Spurgeon um, early in my walk with Christ uh, has stuck with me because uh, I, I feel a kindred spirit with uh, Spurgeon. It's de- always deeply resonated with me. He says this about himself. He says, there may be persons who can always glide along like a tram car on rails. Of course, Spurgeon lived in the 1860s. So a tram car, like a little car uh, out in California or whatever. So there may be persons who can glide along like a tram car on rails without a solitary jerk. But I find that I have a vile nature to contend with. And a spiritual life is a struggle with me. I have to fight from day to day with inbred corruption, coldness, deadness, barrenness. And if it were not for my Lord Jesus Christ, my heart would be as dry as the heart of the damned. And so, I, like I said, I, that resonates with me. So then... What a joy it is to know that when I'm going through these times of spiritual struggle or inward discouragement, uh, that I can approach my God as my Father. That He will not withhold His love for me 
even if my love for Him is at a low ebb. That He is my Father. That He looks upon me with sympathy and is eager to help me. You know, as I dwell on the fact that the God of the universe is my Father. And that He is for me, often in spite of me. Well, that, that inflames my prayer life. I can say, Father or Daddy. Here I am again in all my weakness, with all my struggles. Please help me. You know, I've, I've found him always there, willing. He's never grown so frustrated with me that he runs away and hides his face. I want you to peek down a few verses if you have your Bibles open. And I always in, uh, encourage you to keep your Bibles open as we preach from the Scriptures here. Look at verses 11 through 13. Because Jesus is continuing to teach the the disciples about prayer here. And hopefully we'll get to it in the next couple of weeks. But um, Jesus says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You see His willingness? Now, I know everybody has not been raised with a loving Father. And you may struggle in your relationship with your earthly Father. And that may cause you to struggle in your relationship with your Heavenly Father. But I am here to announce to you, Jesus says, your heavenly Father loves you. And He loves you perfectly. He loves you. Even, and if you have had the best Father that you could possibly have. You know, and tell you the truth, I don't know how I could improve much on my earthly Father. I don't know how Mandy could have improved much on her earthly Father. Uh, Lyle Young was a great man. Um, But there's no comparison with God, our Heavenly Father. He is so welcoming. He is so earnest in wanting to receive you to Himself. To help you when you have need. Can you see... How Jesus, just with the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, addressing God as Father, how that can inflame our prayers to Him. Because you're not going to a distant God, but to a God who loves you so dearly. And as I I said recently, I don't know if it was last week or in the memorial service um, this past uh, Friday, It almost seems as if God loves us more than His Son. Because He gave His own beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to go to that awful cross in order that we might become His children. Spurgeon uh, originally made that point and then Spurgeon went on to say, 
God loves us no less than his own dear son. That's why he sent his own dear son to the cross. Your heavenly father loves you. And he always welcomes you with open arms. So after instructing us to approach uh, God as our father, then Jesus begins giving uh, the first of five petitions or requests that we are to take to God in prayer. The first two requests uh, are concerned with God's interest. And the next three requests, some break it into four requests, I break it into three. Next three requests are concerned with our interest. God's interest first, then our interest. Look at verses 2 through 4. When you pray, say, Father, first petition, hallowed be your name. Second petition, your kingdom come. And then the next three petitions concerning us. Uh, give us this day, or give, give, each de- give us each day our daily bread. Uh, fourth petition, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And then the fifth petition, and lead us not into temptation. First two requests uh, deal with God's concerns, and the order is important. Normally, we should not start our, our prayers with a, um, a shopping list of things we want from God, for God to do for us. Uh, but rather, we should start with God's priorities. Now, of course, uh, Peter, remember, he was going to follow Jesus as Jesus was walking on the water, and he began to drown, you know, and he didn't feel constrained to say, uh, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, please help me, Jesus, from drowning. You know, he, he went straight to the request concerning him. And that's appropriate. Uh, as we said last week, uh, the, the order, the, the Lord's Prayer is a model. It's not something that we're to simply say verbatim uh, any, every, any and every time we pray. But typically, unless you're drowning or in some kind of similar uh, circumstance, the order is important. Start with God because Jesus tells us to start our prayers with God. Um, you know, the reason why we typically uh, start with our shopping list of things we want God to do for us, when we get right down to it, is because we are at the center of our concerns. And God is somewhere out there distantly. Um, in our order of priorities. Um, so it's always important. Start with God. Have you ever tried to uh, instruct a child in something important when their heart really is with that toy that they want to get back and play with? You know, or if their mind is on something else, you know, you've got to work to get their attention, uh, sometimes to distract them from the toy. Because you might as well save your breath, you know, if you're going to instruct them and their, their, their heart is somewhere else, it means their ears are also where their heart is. 
And so we're a lot like that when it comes to God. We approach God as if he were our errand boy rather than the God of the universe. Uh, In the Lord's Prayer, what Jesus is doing is he is turning our self-seeking lives upside down by putting God at the center instead of ourselves. You know, and when I get out of the center of my own universe and God steps into the center, it's funny how things, how clear things become. You know, I can recognize that God's priorities are the vital priorities. I can recognize that His plans are the crucial plans, that His concerns are the really important concerns. So, After I put God and His concerns, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, then those last three petitions, uh, give me my daily bread, forgive me my sins, lead me not into temptation, those requests are much less self-consumed than they would otherwise be. I want to explain uh, what I believe is Jesus' purpose in giving this particular, giving us the particular request that he has given us in prayer. This is, this is actually the reason I started cutting so much of the sermon. Because I think this, what I'm about to say in the next couple of minutes is so important. I didn't want to distract you with too much information. Um, Jesus has given us this particular order and given us these particular uh, requests because faith, prayer, and our lives are all interrelated. What we believe informs how we pray. And And our faith and our prayers in turn very much influence how we live. Uh, Jim Eggert in the announcements said something. I'm going to see if I can bring it back up. Oh yeah, if you begin praying for someone, you start loving them more. Our love grows as you start praying for someone. Why? Because our prayers and our lives are interrelated. Thank you, Jim. Uh, You didn't know that you were... That's a perfect illustration of um, of what I'm trying to say. See, if we believe that we can take care of ourselves quite well, then we won't feel we will not feel a, a need to pray as earnestly to God, and uh, we will therefore, in turn, live in our own within our own abilities until that moment we can't. And that's where the Hail Mary prayers come in. But if you believe that you are God's child and that He is a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God who delights to show mercy and kindness to His children, well then you are going to fight to pray earnestly. You're going to fight to pray daily, even many times during the day. Uh, because, and then your life as you're fighting to pray and, and seeking God um, and putting His concerns first, you'll start becoming more God-centered. With this in mind, um, oops, sorry, that's where I cut. Um, 
So I'm moving into the conclusion. I'm going to save, um, like I said, all the petitions um, that concern God and then concern us for the next sermon. But I want to conclude by reemphasizing this idea of the interrelatedness of faith, prayer, and your life. If your prayers are weak and non-existent or nearly non-existent, I bet your life and your walk with God is suffering as well. Instead of trying to redouble your discipline, this, this would be the common uh, temptation. Okay, I'm, I'm not really doing well in my walk with God. I'm going to redouble my efforts. I'm going to read the Bible even more. I'm going to spend more time in prayer. I'm going to be disciplined. I'm going to put together a prayer list. I'm going to work through that prayer list no matter what. That approach will fail because uh, I would suggest instead of trying to redouble your efforts um, and your discipline, uh, I would suggest that you go and you examine your beliefs and your desires uh, more closely because I would guess that your difficulty is not lack of discipline but rather the problem is uh, your heart is not set on Christ, but set on you. Uh, our beliefs and our prayers and our life are all interrelated. And the corollary is also true. Learn Jesus' priorities in the, in the Lord's Prayer. Learn from Christ how to pray. It will not only help your prayers but it's intended to also help you in your life. And then, uh, who is the object of our faith? Well, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, He is all we need. You seek Him, you will begin seeking His way of prayer, and you will begin living his way of living. So really, it does come down to, is your life and your faith squarely upon the Lord Jesus Christ? Is He your heart's desire? Or are you your heart's desire? I can tell you, sometimes my heart's desire is the great kingdom of Holland, ruled by the triune God of me, myself, and I. And continually have to go back to the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus loved us so much. He came and died for us on the cross. He lived the perfect life that we have never been able to live. He then went to the cross, offered himself as the sacrifice for sinners. He rose from the dead and seats, is seated at the right hand of the Father. Doing what? It says, ever and forever making intercession for the saints. Not only that, He sends His Holy Spirit to dwell in our hearts. The Bible calls the Spirit of Christ, or the, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. He helps us. You look to Christ. Love Him. Pursue Him. And your faith, your prayers, your life, will begin to order up under Him. Look to Christ. I urge you, 
I exhort you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you taught your disciples to pray, not just to teach them to pray, but to teach them a whole way of approaching life with God at the center. Lord, teach us to pray as well. Teach us to have you, have you at the center of our lives. Lord, we need your help. And so pour out your spirit. Speak to us through your word. And help us, we ask. Amen.